0: The National Museum of Funeral History presents The Final Curtain Never Closes. I'm your host, Genevieve Keeney-Vasquez, the President and CEO of the museum. Wow, so today I have a fascinating guest with me, uh, Richard Cook, as a certified professional tour guide. And as we enter the month of October, I was thinking, wow, who could I have to come on and tell me about the haunts of Houston? I couldn't think of anyone better than Richard. Richard, again, is a professional tour guide. He's been the past president and director at large of the Professional Tour Guide Association of Houston, and also is a member of the Houston Concierge Association here in Houston. And that is actually where I got to meet Richard. And Richard and I go way back on our friendship, and I've actually experienced some of his tours. So that's why... I couldn't think of a better person to bring on, so I'm going to tell you a little bit more about Richard, and then Richard's going to tell us all about this fascinating, haunted city that we all live in, that you may not know, that you live amongst the spirits. Uh, So Richard Cook, he's a native Houstonian and a fourth-generation Texan. Uh, His roots run deep, and he has been gratefully walking in the shadows of Texas history all his life. I'm really excited to find out about the spirits that have been walking along with him. Uh, So he's actually a graduate of Stephen F. Austin University with a degree in political science. He's maintained a lifelong passion, some might say an obsession, for the Texas history and is considered by many to be a true Texan history expert, and I have to attest to that. And his greatest pleasure in life is sharing favorite facts, stories, and tall tales about his most beloved city and state, Houston, Texas. He is also one of the most up-to-date guides about present-day Houston and how it has evolved today into a vibrant and exciting city full of museums, art galleries, festivals, theaters, and much more. I bet you that much more is the ghost we're about ready to talk about. Ooh, cannot wait. Richard's dedication to preserving the legacy of the Lone Star State has led to former positions as both president and director at large of the Professional Tour Guide Association of Houston. His experience has been sought after by people from around the world, including journalists, documentary film directors, television producers, and myself, the president of the National Museum of Funeral History. He has been featured in TLC's Little Couple and has been quoted in numerous travel articles on Houston and Texas. So it is my greatest honor to bring Richard Cook to the show today.
1: Oh, thank you. That's awful nice introduction. I'm nice hearing it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you got quite a resume. I mean you really are the talk of the city when it comes to looking for someone to take them around and tell them all about it. I remember you took an amazing group of ours that came to the city and I learned things about Houston I never knew existed.
1: It is amazing. It's almost like an unknown commodity, not only to people around the country, you know, certainly people from out of state, but uh, just us that grew up here. You know, we're driving over the bridge where something down on the bio happened and we don't know anything about it. So that's the part of it that I enjoy is kind of learning and then telling people about it.
0: Well, let me challenge you with this, because ever since I've worked here at the museum, there's so many custodians that constantly tell me, I never knew the museum existed. So, Richard, please tell me, when did you learn that the National Museum of Funeral History existed?
1: Well, I I have a wonderful story that I tell about your museum, and one of the nicest things you ever did for me. I had a group of people from Florida, a group of seniors, and they were on a special kind of tour where they bought a tour, a a two-week tour, and they went to the airport, and they didn't know where they were going. The tour operator, it was a mystery tour. They put them on the airplane, and when the airplane landed in Houston, they, they gave them their baggage claim and says, okay, get off, this is where we're doing our tour. So they were all wow. kind of excited. The lady that was operating the tour had come to Houston uh, about three weeks before that and wanted me to give the itinerary of where we were going to go. And I, I told her we had to come here and the lady just was, oh, I don't know, I don't know. So we kept it in the tour. And as the day went, I'm up at the uh, the Texas Prison Museum about three o'clock, and I'm supposed to come here by four o'clock. And I kn- I knew your hours, and I couldn't get these people to quit looking at old Sparky, <laughs> the electric chair. Yeah. And um, I called you, and I said, I'm I'm running late, and. The thing you did that I will never forget is you kept the museum open for us to come. Aww. And uh, when we got here, I said, okay, let's everybody get off. This is really going to be cool. And uh, the the tour operator didn't even want to get off. And I brought the group in here, and we couldn't get them to leave. <laughs> we, had a, we had a dinner show up in the woodlands. The, the Letterman, or who, who's left of the Letterman, was singing that day. And uh, I couldn't get them out of the museum. It was the highlight of their day. So uh, that's what I say to everybody: uh, you just don't realize what's here. And and each time I come, it's always something different. You you don't let anything get stale here. Well,
0: thank you. I, I, appreciate I got to that.
1: sit in the Batmobile.
0: Oh yeah! I remember, remember yeah, that I mean, was here. Where do you get yeah. to sit
1: in the Batmobile? <laughs> and the automobile collection here is just absolutely amazing. Uh, I had gone in the Henry Ford Museum one time up in Detroit, and every car, airplane, engine had a working engine. In other words, a drip pan underneath the vehicle to catch the oil leaks. And you have the same thing here. Yes. Every, every one of your vehicles, you could walk in there and start it up.
0: We sure and that's can. a
1: dedication to the preservation of what those were. And we all know that every funeral home and every little small town, especially in Texas, had the nicest cars.
0: Oh yes, definitely. We so, are known for our cars and keeping them very clean. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I ask, one time I asked a uh, uh, a limousine driver we was, in that work we sit around for hours waiting for the, the the group to come out of the restaurant or whatever and I asked him how long he'd been driving uh, cars and he, you know, it was like thirty years. I said, well, "What got you started?" He said, "When I grew up in a small town in East Texas, I admired their cars, and I, I went to work for them just so I could drive their cars."
0: Oh, for the funeral home there in the yes, the, wow, because yes. so there a nicer car in, the, in town.
1: And the other thing about in the and I have personal experience with relatives that passed away in small towns. The funeral home has the big tent. So mm-hmm. when you're having a, a family reunion, it looks like rain. You call the funeral home, and they bring out, set up their big tent, and it always has the advertisement of the funeral home <laughs> on it. So it's an integral part of, of of life, especially in rural Texas.
0: Wait, you know it's crazy because they always think the funeral museum is all about death. Yes, we talk about the death care profession, we honor the dead, and but at the same time, it's part of life, right? I yes. mean, go to the local funeral home, borrow their tent. Uh, you get your start. You really like the car, so you go work for a funeral home. But it's really just it's yes, and goes hand in hand with life.
1: And the funeral directors that I've known and talked to in, in my life see what they're doing is is a, a vital service to the to the family and to the town.
0: Yeah. So, so you know, we talk about how funeral homes are so vital to the service and the preservation of those that they leave behind. So let's kind of talk about when those are left behind, but in a spiritual realm. You've got believers out there. You've got non-believers. You've got people who've actually experienced paranormal activities and or uh, uh, apparitions and stuff like that. So have you yourself, being so well-versed and visited of the downtown Houston area and some of these amazing places we're going to talk about, do you have any personal experiences of supernatural activity that you've actually?
1: Well, I will be honest to say, I I don't think I've ever seen a ghost, but at certain times in my life, I felt like a ghost was was, uh, talking to me in certain ways. My personal belief is that we're only using like 10% of our minds. There's so much in our, I won't call us pea brains, but there's so much there that we don't understand. And losing parents and other people in your life, you 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 get a feeling that there is a way, especially with hospice. Uh, my father passed away at my house with hospice, and uh, I was convinced that my family came and got him.
0: Oh yeah, definitely, and That's... and I got
1: that from the hospice nurse. Wow, she started talking to me. Uh, she 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 tries. To, she told me she tries to look in the room and see who's the caregiver. And I was the son at that point in time, and he was standing at my house, and and she, she asked a couple of leading questions right at, towards the end, and they were basically. She told me she was trying to get me to release him because he 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 wanted to go over, but he couldn't. He needed the person in the room that he, you know, it's like you're you're on two sides of the fence, and he wanted to go over, but
0: he needed I, that permission. He and needed I, to when know when it was okay she to asked go.
1: me a leading question, and when I answered it, uh, the question was. Uh, uh, was he a, a big family? I said, oh, yes, there was you know, nine or 10 of them in the family. And she said, how many are left? I said, well, there's about three left. And she says, oh, and uh, she did that on purpose to point to me that they were looking for him.
0: There was more on the other side waiting right, for and him. And when
1: I said that, he passed away right in oh. front of my eyes. So that's wow. how I see it. But uh, it's, it's a part of life, and your museum is not ghoulish. Your museum is very, very informative, I've learned so much in your museum. Uh, I have a Catholic friend. I brought him over here to see your your Pope funeral. Wow. Uh, what an what a amazing thing. And, and
0: that's actually an honor coming from you, Richard, because I never thought someone as well-educated as you about the city that I could actually teach you something more. So thank you so yeah. much.
1: Well, try. what I what I remember about your Pope exhibit is the first thing they do is when he passes away is get his ring and smash it. Yeah. Because the ring is how he passed— his rules. Yeah. And they didn't want somebody using his ring. Mm-hmm. Now, what a what a smart thing to do, but that's something I never knew. But again, it's all part of the learning experience. And this is why in, your, uh, in our relationship, we belong to the Houston Concierge Association, which is a very dynamic organization. And we have uh, several leaders in there that make sure that we have a we call them crawls or socials
0: mm-hmm. where he
1: he sets up a certain part of town and we go there and we go to three or four like restaurants or venues we
0: get to experience it so we're able to talk about it that's
1: right yeah and, and share
0: it with others
1: that's right and i've been and he's brought us here probably every year oh, for the last go, 10 years you guys years. are going to
0: be coming here in a couple of days right, too, yeah. so yeah yeah that's
1: how come i got to sit in the batmobile
0: exactly and uh <laughs>
1: The, uh, well, let
0: me let me let me turn our conversation a little bit into some of these places that are known to be haunted or have spoken about being haunted here in our great city of Houston. Um, There's some that I, I I've heard of, um, like the Spaghetti Factory. Uh, um, have you actually been to the Spaghetti Factory?
1: Well, it was called the Spaghetti Warehouse. Now it's called McIntyre's. It's changed names. Wow! Uh, but it's still the same place. Uh still I hope the, the same food's ghost better. I hope the food's better. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and still uh, the
0: same ghosts I hope.
1: Same same ghosts, uh the ghost appears and uh, all this information that I'm giving you the the ghost stories that I know about are easily accessible on the internet. You can type it in and read it. Uh I might be making a few mistakes, but I did read it and I've heard it from other people, but the ghost in the spaghetti warehouse was always up on the second floor. And the ghost appeared at times at the end of the day. So when the let's say they'd had a big party up on the second floor, beautiful grand staircase to go up onto the second I remember floor. going
0: up that case, yes, because yes, I and was looking for her.
1: Well, she she appears in one of the windows on the north on the southwest side of the building, facing Travis and Congress Street. And she appears to the, the cleanup people see her. Oh. Uh, she doesn't show up when the crowd's in there having the party, but at the end of the end of the thing where you know it's like ten or eleven o'clock at night and, and they're busily getting all the, the dishes in and everything, that's when she appears.
0: So you're saying I have to go apply to be a dishwasher so that I can see the ghosts. That's right. Well the dishwashers <laughs> are
1: and the cleaning people are telling me and on the internet it tells me that she is the spouse of a of a man who died. Uh, in the in the warehouse, fell in the elevator shaft and died. So his ghost is around there too. But so no, does he
0: haunt the elevator shaft and does the elevator shaft still work?
1: It, I, it probably works. I haven't seen, it's back in the back where the dishwasher people oh, are. Oh, so that's but why they, I didn't but get but to see the where elevator. But that's they, they see her back there and then they'll see her in, in the window. Uh, wow. And, and they, they don't get, or the ones I talk to about it, say they don't get really scared. She's just looking for... Her, uh, her husband's spirit. So uh, that's the famous thing. And the building itself is real old in Houston. It goes back to, uh, it was originally called the Cleveland Grocery Supply Store. And it, if you look at it, it, it it's two-story from the street, but in the back, it's three stories. It goes down into the bio. And the bio, Buffalo Bio, was in those days, in the late 1800s, that was, uh, the, that was our freeway, We didn't have trains. We didn't have roads. If you bought anything or shipped anything, you shipped it from Allen's Landing on Buffalo Bayou, right where Main Street goes over. So uh, the Cleveland store used, uh, they unloaded the barges and the riverboats on that lower level and then brought everything up in the elevator to the second and the third floor. Wow, and a little town of Cleveland, Texas, is named after the same guy. So,
0: what what year period or what period 18, of time? We're talking eighteen
1: seventies, eighteen eighties, when and it was first built.
0: So, when did it become the Spaghetti Warehouse?
1: Oh, and probably the sixties in the nineteen sixties.
0: Oh, and so she's kind yeah. of what we would consider recently right. yeah, deceased. It,
1: it floods a lot. That's that's why a uh. lot of people don't like to rent it because you know Hurricane uh, Alicia. And uh, the last one, Harvey, you mm. know, when we had all that water. Because Buffalo Bayou itself is a river. and People don't realize that it's a river. In the 1930s, there was a ho- horrible hurricane flooding thing. It flooded all of downtown Houston.
0: So and, do you think there's not like a lot of spirits in the Buffalo Bayou? Because be. perhaps maybe it taken some of the lives? Well, the most
1: famous spirit in the, in the Bayou is uh, the Donaldson boy. Let's see if I'm saying that right. Donald. It's D-O-N-N. Ella and the Donnellan Crypt, which is part of Buffalo Bio. and these these things that I'm talking about. If you take the Buffalo Bio Partnership tour boat, he talks all about it and shows it. So to you're you.
0: saying I can actually get on a boat and go down the Buffalo Bayou.
1: Yes, you get on it down there by Allen's did. Landing. It's I think twenty something dollars a ticket, and he goes on the weekends, and he he floats upwards towards Shepherd Street.
0: Oh, and he wow. turns around,
1: he goes back down, goes under. Uh, Main Street and goes as far out as uh, uh, Brown and Root, that new golf course they built out on Brown and Root. And he talks all about the bio. So is
0: there only one crypt along that entire route, or are there other things that might lead me into spiritual activity as I'm on the Buffalo Bayou?
1: Well, when I took it, I was amazed, being a born and raised Houstonian, I was amazed at how the city looked from down there. Mm. It looks so much different than the city I've seen because we're always up on Smith Street and Lamar and Travis looking down at it.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it, so now you're a, down looking up, kind of like yeah. a dead person looking up, right? At and, the people, huh? And
1: it, it affected me. It affected me in one way. Uh, we don't realize, but all of the, the rainwater that goes down the storm sewer goes into Buffalo Bio. And then it floats east into the ship channel, and then it floats all the way down to Galveston, goes out the Bolivar Cut into the ocean. So that's how we drain Houston is Buffalo Bio. Wow. And the day I was on the tour, there had been a big rain, and these plastic bags we get at Walmart
0: mm-hmm.
1: were all hanging up in the trees from when the water level was high wow. and they're floating. And and Buffalo Bio Partnership has to send a crew out every day and and collect those bags that are going down the storm sewer. So when I go to the store and they say, do you want a bag? No, ma'am, I don't want a bag, (laughs)
0: because
1: it's going to end up in Buffalo Bio.
0: It'll end up in a tree looking like a ghost. That's right. So it it is
1: amazing. (laughs) But it it is a beautiful city from down there. The city was founded there in 1836, right after the Battle of San Jacinto. Uh, There were two fellas from, I'm going to say this wrong, Chittichingu, New York, called the Allen. Better than me. Baldwinsville, up near uh, Buffalo, and uh, they had come down to the uh, Mexico. This was Mexico, and they 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 were real estate developers, and they uh, they wanted to buy a city. And this is about the time when Texas wins its independence on April twenty first, eighteen thirty six, at San Jacinto. And uh, the story goes that uh, they had this money. Now the money came from one of their wives. And her name, her last name was Baldwin. And she was, uh, had inherited money, and they used her money and they bought 6,000 acres of land, what we now know as Allen's Landing, where the spaghetti warehouse is, south towards, mm. towards the Astrodome. And yeah. they started advertising. They, they hired a uh, surveyor named Gail Borden, who we now know as Borden's Milk.
0: Wow! And here I was thinking of Lizzie Borden. Wow, no, and my Gail Borden, And he and
1: he, uh, Gail Borden surveyed it, and then they started selling lots in the newspapers in New York City, up in the East Coast. And if you ever see some of these beautiful advertisements, it was it looked like a Courier and Ives painting with the cow eating and a beautiful grass and everything. Oh yeah, I remember. And I'm not saying that the Allen brothers were were crooked but they were real estate developers, and it's in their DNA to embellish. They they Everything they said was true. Access to the Gulf, uh, plenty of water, plenty of land, plenty of trees. They just left out a few things. They left out that there were mosquitoes as big as flies, that there were mean Indians and mean Mexicans that wanted to kill anybody that showed up, and that there was no drinking water. So it that's how Houston got its start. So Oh, and
0: let's not mention that we get all these uh, torrential downpours and hurricanes too, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So
1: so the story goes, they were in Harrisburg, which was the only town here, which is down in the ship channel off of Broadway and Harrisburg Boulevard. That's where the town was. And they hired a man that had a shallow draft steamboat called the Lara, and they gave him $1,000. And they say, we want you to paddle upstream to where White Oak Bio and Buffalo Bio come together, which is Allen's Landing now, University of Houston downtown. And we want to claim that it's accessible to the Gulf. It took the Lara like three weeks to make the 20-mile the trip because they were hacking all the trees out of the way. And they missed, they missed the confluence, and they went all the way down to Shepherd before they realized they'd gone too far. Wow. So that's how Houston got its start. And you see these wonderful pictures of So these of old, real
0: estate agents that you just spoke about, are they buried here in Houston? Do, do, do what? Are they buried here in Houston? Did yes, they die yes, in Houston? Yes, the Allen
1: brothers. Uh, uh, they, uh, the wife, Baldwin, there's a hotel now in downtown Houston. Uh, the old Double Tree is called the Baldwin Hotel. We're naming it after the lady whose money it was. And oh. she's buried in Glenwood. And one of the Allen brothers got upset and he took off for Mexico. We never heard from him, but the other one's buried in a cemetery. We call it Founders Cemetery on San Felipe, just off of West Gray between downtown and, and uh, the Montrose area.
0: So, are there a lot of founders in the Founders Cemetery?
1: Yes. Uh, in fact, it's, it's really interesting about our cemeteries. Uh, I've. T- uh, if you go to if you go to Founder Cemetery, and like you're on West Gray, and you're going to Montrose, you'll see it on the left. What they now call Freedmanstown Town is the is the district we refer to it, and uh, it doesn't look like it's very full, but it is full. But in 1936, on the centennial uh, of of Texas, the hundred year anniversary, they went around to all of the Texas. Soldiers that were in the Battle of San Jacinto, the Alamo, and all that, and they erected state markers—these big, beautiful uh, granite markers—and when you go by Founder Cemetery, you see about thirty of them because they only marked the ones they could find that they knew were in Sam Houston's army. So, wow, it looked, and, that's and pretty
0: interesting. One of the
1: one of the uh, one of the Allen brothers is buried there under a tree. Wow. So,
0: you know, we were talking about, you know, Houston has some really historic cemeteries. I mean, we're talking cemeteries that you wouldn't, like if you blink, you'd pass right by them because you're kind of tucked away a little bit. And the one that comes to mind when I talk about something that, you know, is the Winchy Cemetery, you know, yes, that's not the downtown spring. Houston, that's north Houston in the yes. spring area. And it's like right off the feeder of I-45 because they had to, you know, build the the highway and the feeder road Across around the street it. Across from
1: Freddy's Sandburgers.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> and you can still drive up and go in and visit yes. it if you so desire. Well, if
1: you go to Old Town Spring, there's a Winchy Brothers saloon.
0: That's it's- right. And that's haunted. That one's haunted, too. Yeah, that too. is haunted. Winchy Brothers Saloon is haunted. Winchy
1: Brothers Saloon and, and Old Town Spring were, were a, uh, a railroad town.
0: Because mm-hmm. it's, it's right by the railroad.
1: Yeah, it's still railroads. I mean, if you get mm-hmm. stuck over there, uh, the Kleins of, of Klein, Texas, of Klein Funeral Home, uh, they they originally lived in—and their house there in Old Town Spring is supposed to be haunted, Wow, so uh, and we've I,
0: got like haunts everywhere. So let's talk about Glenwood Cemetery. Glenwood, Oh, I, I, to me, I think Glenwood is like the Hollywood Cemetery of Houston. Am yes. I correct? But we
1: have a Hollywood Cemetery too.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, I didn't even know that. <laughs> that's on I on, on North I,
1: Main and I-10, oh, wow. I-45 in North Main.
0: So, okay then, since we do have a Hollywood Cemetery here in Houston, and I'm thinking Glenwood is kind of like up there like Hollywood because all the it, famous people. It, are like, there famous people in the Hollywood yes, Cemetery it's like just the, as well?
1: Glenwood Cemetery to me is like the River Oaks of cemeteries in Got Houston. Got
0: it. Oh, thank you.
1: It still you. is. So <clears throat> these are things I've read and understand. So if I'm saying something that's not— if, if I've got something wrong, let me know. In the Victorian age, you know, when Queen Victoria was queen for like 60-something years, and and uh, right in the beginning of her her reign, Prince Albert died. Mm-hmm, her beloved. And, and her love of her life, and she mourned for the rest of her life. And do
0: you know that's where we attach the color black and, and 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 seeing it as part of funerals and how what we dre- how we right. dress in going to funerals yes. is the color black because of Queen Elizabeth because yes. people she wanted people to understand how she was feeling inside and and how the best way for her to display that was to adorn everything in black to include yes. herself and that's where the color it, black comes in.
1: Now, to, to make a joke, uh, when I was a kid before caller ID. We used to mess with people on the phone, like call somebody and say, "Is your your refrigerator running?" And they say, "Yes." Well, go, you better go catch it. You know, little oh yeah, I remember that one.
0: I did that one too. (laughs) Okay, but one of the one and I,
1: I can't get this out of my mind. The funniest one is you call a store, and there was a uh, pipe tobacco called Prince Albert pipe tobacco, and you would call a store and say, do you have Prince Albert in a can? And he would say, yes. And then you'd say, well, you better let him out. When uh-huh. I went to Windsor and I saw Prince Albert's crypt, that joke was just flying around in my head. So that joke, <laughs> <laughs> that, jo- <laughs> that joke Sorry, said- We don't
0: mean to laugh at those who have passed be before no. us, but, but but there is something to be said in having a, a form of lightheartedness- yes to balance out the the heaviness that death does create. So that's important for people to understand. Well, Um,
1: Glenwood is an evolutionary cemetery. Glenwood is a true Victorian cemetery at first. When you go in the first part of it, you're in the Victorian era. You're in the 1880s, 1890s. It's not to get way into the back that you come into our age. And people in River Oaks... That's the cemetery they get buried in. That's why I call it the River Oaks of Well, you Husa. said
0: Howard Hughes is buried there, Howard correct? Howard
1: Hughes is buried there with his parents. He, he never wow. had any kids. And he died in an airplane coming to Methodist Hospital back in the 70s. Remember, he was living recluse in the Acapulco uh, Hilton or Princess Hotel. And he came back here to, to be buried. He died at Methodist Hospital. Uh, it's the only grave in... Uh, in the uh, Glenwood Cemetery that's cardened off. It has a gate around it. And it's not because they they don't want to let Howard get loose. It's because there are these beautiful uh, brass fluted uh things along the back wall, and they were constantly being stolen.
0: Oh, keep out the grave robbers. Yes, Yes, the grave robbers. But
1: the thing about the Victorian cemetery, prior to the Victorian age, let's say 1840s, 1850s, the cemetery was a graveyard next to the church. You know, you went down to the church, and there was a graveyard off to the side, and it was nothing but markers, and it's kind of a spooky thing. And then when Queen Victoria started going to the cemetery every day to mourn Prince Albert, uh, the cemetery evolved into a statue garden, and that's what Glenwood is. Now, we have several uh, modern cemeteries, Forest Park over on Lawndale. We have one in the woodlands, and I always thought it was strange when I went, my grandparents are buried in the one uh, off of Lawndale, that there would be a swing, a, a bench and, and a covered swing, like on the front porch, and I'm saying, Well, why is that in a a cemetery? And then as I started doing tour guide business and read about it, Queen Victoria and her crowd, on granddaddy's birthday, they would go out to the cemetery and celebrate his life. And they needed benches. They needed beautiful statues. In other words, it became a place of celebration rather than a spooky graveyard next to the church. Wow. And, And Glenwood is really that. And now... It's evolved into the forest park where there there are benches. They expect you to go out there and sit around.
0: Well, and when I was a kid, I used to go to cemeteries and have a picnic.
1: Yes, yes, uh,
0: and 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 tells to this still to this day I don't know why. But I always was intrigued to try and find. Well, they're the, beautiful the, places. They are beautiful places. Yeah. But I was always wanting to find who was the most recently buried and who had been there for the longest. Yes. you know. So I was out there hunting the the headstones to try and well, get and, that information. And Glenn,
1: I could talk all day about Glenwood. So you, you're <laughs> coming me off okay. Glenwood, uh, to me, reads like a who's who of of Houston. If you had remember the old key map, you yes. know where, Okay. Well, when I'm driving. Through Glenwood, I feel like I'm looking at a key map. First of all, in all Texas cities, big ones like Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, there is a street named after every famous Texas hero. You have a Travis, a Bowie, a Crockett, a Lamar, and these are Texas heroes. Even little little towns in Texas that. Uh, and then, <laughs> this is why you have to have ask every fourth grader and every seventh grader to name the Texas Heroes because at one point in time he's gonna be looking for thirteen hundred Lamar Street.
0: <laughs> wow, I never knew that. See, I wasn't educated in Texas. So That's right. Well uh, in the fourth and the seventh
1: that. grade you got Texas history.
0: That's that, that now I okay. understand why Texas history. Wow. Okay. That's so, fascinating.
1: So the the another thing that you see in Glenwood, this is about the time of of uh, the obelisk uh Cleopatra's obelisk in Alexandria, Egypt. That was the rage and for people
0: who don't understand what an obelisk is. It's a it's a it's a a statue that is created straight up and then right. comes to a point. It's a
1: shaft. Uh, San Jacinto Monument is an obelisk.
0: Yes, exactly. Because
1: it was done in the 30s, uh, Art Deco. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 Victorians went crazy about the obelisk, and when you drive through the old part of Glenwood Cemetery, it's just one after another, one after another. See,
0: now I have to go back to Glenwood because I've been to Glenwood before. Uh, I've been, I, I threw it, drove through it a couple of times, but I never really observed the things that you're speaking to. And now I'm like, wow, not that you've brought this to light. I want to go back there again and well, really focus I'll in on you. some of these. We'll, and, oh,
1: we'll take you. I the, would love that. The, the other thing that, that's prominent in that cemetery, other than the obelisk, is the Masonic Order and the Woodsman of the World Order. Now these were you know we all know about the Masons from that national treasure movie, you know the the Knights, Templar, and everything. My grandfather, at one point in his life, was was a mason. He lived on a farm up in North Texas. He moved to Texas City, and when I Googled my grandfather's name, his name was Luck Piat. The only time it comes up is his lodge, his Masonic Lodge in Texas City still lists him as, as the first grand whatever. And, and
0: you know, Masons, they have very ritualistic burial yes, customs. They and we do. actually have a Masonic apron here. Yes, they wear an is, apron. Yes, and, and they, they wear it when they pass it, away.
1: It's part of the burial routine. Uh it is uh in my grandfather's day, there was a general store in the little town of Myra where he lived. And up on the second floor was the Masonic Lodge. The grocery store was on the first floor. And one day a week, he'd come out of the field early, tired of looking at the tail end of that mule pulling that plow. He would take a bath and get dressed in his nice clothes and go down and do the secret door knock and go in. And who knows what went on in there? But it was secret. And,
0: uh, is that so, one of the haunted places we were talking about earlier? Oh, I don't
1: know. They're, they're, they're still around. We, we have Masonic Lodges today, still very prominent. Uh, the Shriners is, is a, a division of that. Uh, we also have uh, uh, the Woodsmen of the World. Now, in the insurance business, uh, most insurance companies like Prudential, uh, all those kind of companies, started out as uh, burial policy companies. You know, three cents a week, enough money to pay for the funeral. And uh, the Woodsman of the World still exists today. You have to go to a real small town in Texas to to find the Woodsman of the World agent. And when you buy a policy from him, that gets you a, a burial. And they also have an orphanage somewhere up in the Midwest where your, your orphan kids can go and be raised. Wow. And in Glenwood Cemetery, the... The Masonic burial is usually an obelisk with the the, the compass and the square in, engaged, in, engraved. That's how you know he was a Mason. But Woodsman of the World has a concrete tree stump.
0: Well, there you have it. When you go into a cemetery and you wonder why is it looking like a tree, now you know.
1: Well, and also too, if you uh, if you look at the tree, that that means he's a Woodsman of the World. A, a wow. Yeah. Uh, how many cut logs that his tree stump is sitting on? The most I've ever seen are like fireplace logs that that length. There's four of them, and then the tree stump is sitting on top. That denotes his status with the with the organization. Wow. Only one. Some of them don't have a tree stump. Uh, logs under the tree stump and so if I
0: have logs underneath my stump, that means I had some pretty you had status. I had status right. kind of like the plumes on the on the funeral carriages. the yes. bigger the plume, that's the more right. status that you the have very
1: very uh, wow. very uh, uh, subtle things. The other thing too and this this is really fascinating to me and I point this out every time I go in there uh, I see an obelisk that's only halfway up. In other words, the base, and it comes up about four feet and stops, and then there's a drape over it, like a a cloth cloth drape. And that's a symbol from the Masons telling us that Mr. Smith died before his time. If you look at the date of the person buried there, it's 30 years old, 40 years old, because his obelisk was not completed, because he didn't live a normal lifespan, So I think that's cool, too. That
0: that makes perfect sense. That is very interesting. So so
1: in Glenwood, as you drive around, we've got Howard Hughes. Uh, We have William P. Hobby and his wife, Olvida Culp Hobby, the Hobby Airport. He was a governor. We have uh, Denton Cooley, the Denton Cooley plot, the famous heart surgeon. Uh, We have uh, several Texas uh, heroes. Uh, We have the last president of the republic, Anson Jones. He's buried there, and there's a historical marker. The story of his life is kind of interesting. He was a confidant of Sam Houston, like right there with him. And then uh, when Texas became a state, he expected to be one of the two U.S. senators. Houston was the first U.S. senator, and Anson Jones wanted to be the second U.S. senator. I think Sam promised him that, but then Sam picked Thomas J. Rusk out of Nacogdoches to be the second U.S. senator. And Anson Jones got distraught and stood up on the balcony of the, uh, where now the Rice Hotel is. There was a different hotel there. And he hollered, uh, Texas has forsaken me, and he shot himself. Wow. So he might be haunting the second floor balcony at the Rice Hotel.
0: Oh, I would but, say. Uh,
1: but it is, it is interesting. Uh, so it's a wonderful drive. And then as you go into the newer section of the cemetery— uh, you're in the 30s and the 40s and the 50s, 18, 1900. Uh, there's a lot of cemetery family plots of the Egyptian motif. Just, you know, it looks Egyptian. Like there's Egyptian people. And I had a funeral director on a tour one time, and he says, oh, that was really popular back in the 40s. You know, these Ben-Hur movies and and all of that stuff. So it, it's, a, it's a, uh, definitely a... So are see, they still
0: burying people yes, in yes. the and, cemetery and, today? In
1: fact, they've opened a new section... Uh, that You actually go across Buffalo Bio a little bit, down into that. It's, it's, there, there are no restrictions about going in. Uh, if the gate's open, you can go in. They're, they're redoing the front gate, so you have to kind of go into the back. Uh, they have an office there, and if you go in the office, they'll give you a map of the famous people buried there.
0: Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. So uh wow. just
1: don't want to get caught in there after hours.
0: <laughs> well, also- there's some other places here in Houston I definitely want to be caught in after hours because I really want to see a ghost. So where's another place if I really want if to see really a ghost? you really want to see
1: a ghost, where might I
0: be able to go? Okay, it
1: would be the old Jeff Davis Hospital.
0: Oh, or- you started telling me about that place. Ooh, that is a creepy place. It's, lo-
1: it's located 1101 Elder Street. Uh, if anybody in town knows where the Amtrak station is, which nobody knows where the Amtrak station is. If you were to take a train out of Houston, you know where the train station is? Absolutely not. <laughs> I
0: well, would you... think I could follow the tracks.
1: Well, there's a bunch of tracks.
0: Yeah, no, that's true. It used I get to be lost. it
1: used to be Minute Maid Park.
0: Really? Yeah,
1: I rode a train in the 1950s to New York City from Minute Maid Park. The the terminal building is still there like up out on the third base side. The train's backed in. That was the train station.
0: So is that why we have a train that uh, that, that runs its yes, little track the, every time we know, get a home whole, run? the
1: whole train motif. Oh, because that was the train station.
0: Well, do it's, we have any motifs that Minute made that speaks to Jefferson Davis Hospital?
1: No, but no. Jefferson Davis Hospital is, is located, I'm saying, by what's now the— That's not the train station anymore. What I'm talking about is where the— uh, The Aquarium Restaurant is downtown.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, I know that place And then you have
1: across, kind of across the street, you have what's called the Post, Mm
0: -hmm, the the old
1: post office, which they've turned into a venue. If you ever been up on the roof of that? It's really pretty. Uh, It's a food hall and everything. Uh, There used to be a train station there called Southern Pacific Train Station before the post office was there, before this venue is there. But the uh, Jeff Davis Hospital is just a few, about a half a block over, from, from that area. And you get to it by, you're going down Washington Avenue out of downtown, and you get to the first light, which is Houston Avenue. And you take a right, and you go about a block and a half. You go underneath the railroad track, and you come to a street called DART, D-A-R-T. You turn to the right. Oh, I thought you
0: said Dark
1: DART uh, Street.
0: Wow, I was like, wow, how how, how more thematic can we get, right? Okay. Dark Street. No, okay. DART, so, as in like throwing a dart.
1: And you go down, and, and so you're close to... I-10, where it gets off the freeway to go downtown Smith and Milam Street, and where those four giant heads are, you know, oh, David yes. Addick's heads, yes. Mount Rush Hour. Mount, Mount
0: Rush Hour, yes, yes. I know Mount Rush okay. Hour very well. So it's
1: over in that area. It's it's on the north side of Buffalo Bio, and it is in 1840. That was the woods. I mean, that wasn't the town. That was woods. And uh, the Allen brothers didn't buy that land. They only bought the land on the south side of the boat. Well, was
0: that building there when they went well, to go buy the they land? Built,
1: they built the, the uh, in 1840, before they built the building, it was Houston Cemetery.
0: Well, that's probably why they didn't buy the land then, right? Because there's yeah. a bunch of dead people buried there? Yeah, well, well
1: there? The, the city was found in 1836. So this is four years later, they needed to have a cemetery. So in the old cowboy lingo, this was Boot Hill. You know, Ooh. like in Gunsmoke, he's always out. You know, everybody he shoots so, gets buried up took there. Took him out but
0: to the pasture to have It was just woods
1: It was in a pasture. So from 1840 until 1927, that's where they buried people. It was an indigent cemetery as well as a, the cemetery. And so in, uh, I believe it was 19, uh, let's see, 1924, the city fathers say you know what we got a bunch of people buried out there but we need to do something with that land so they decided to build a three story hospital they called it jeff davis hospital and they put it on top of the cemetery and they didn't move a body out of the cemetery
0: oh my gosh because, so it's because nowadays they, yeah cuz nowadays there's there's laws that protect from building on top yeah, of cemeteries so in but,
1: 1927 wow. they built they built a a, a beautiful hospital it's uh, three stories tall. It's uh, a Greek revival.
0: When I first saw it, I thought of a sale asylum, but... Well, it
1: had all of that in there. In and, fact... and I'm
0: thinking that probably some of those patients thought they were insane when they really weren't. They were just seeing the ghosts <laughs> well, that they were I had on a, top of.
1: I had a group of seniors on a bus, and I was showing it to them, and one of the ladies who was way up in your system. oh, I used to get, go there and get shots. I mean, you know, it was the county hospital, like we have Ben Taub and LBJ Hospital. Okay, so they built this building on top of the cemetery. They didn't take the bodies out, and the, the building operated as a hospital until the early 1960s. And they decided, well, we need to build a new Jeff Davis Hospital, and they built that out on Allen Parkway, close to Shepherd. It was a big 10-, 12-story building. And uh, the building on the old property sat empty for 20 years, 20, 30 years, just sat there. And it, you know, it was spooky to start with. Now it's sitting there empty. And in the 1990s, they turned it into a loft apartment building. And now people are clamoring to live there because it's the most haunted building in Houston. It's sitting over an old cemetery. And I've been told that they took one of those uh, sonogram machines out there and rolled it through the parking lot, and there is a body in every grave. It is a full cemetery. And it even extends across the fence into the Houston Fire Department maintenance yard. And uh, I have a friend that worked out there, and he told me at the maintenance yard, and he told me back in the 70s, every time they dug a hole, they dug up bones because they were— you know, it was, looked like an asphalt parking lot to them, but it, it was a cemetery, and it made the news. I can remember Channel Thirteen, Channel Eleven. They're digging people up at the at the Houston Fire Department maintenance shed, and my friend that works out there now says that uh, it still happens, but they don't call the they don't call the the, the TV anymore or the, the newspapers, but they do call the chaplain. The fire department chaplain comes out and they collect the bones and they reinter them. Oh, so they're being respectful to that
0: they're, they're respectfully relocating them
1: yes but the ones underneath are still there i have a friend that does are there go- any
0: like grave markers to well, identify these people that when, are when you is first pull up in
1: front of the building it looks like six graves you know and, and a concrete border and there's a historical marker telling you that those are graves and that the whole place is full of graves and then as you go over to the building, it talks about the historical significance of the building. So,
0: so future tenant beware, and in, if you are into the supernatural, this might be the place you want to live?
1: Well, mark my words, this next month, all the news people are going to go out there and do a story on that building. Wow. It's the most haunted building in town. And as a tour guide, I have driven through the parking lot many a times with, with my clients, and I'm, I'm telling them about it. And every once in a while, I'll see someone walking across the parking lot with his groceries or something, and I'll pull up and roll my window down. And I'll say, "Excuse me, can I ask you a question or two? And I'll go, "Yeah, what?" I said, "I've been told this is a haunted building." He goes, "Oh yeah." He says, "It's it's pretty bad." And one guy told me that there's a trash chute on the second floor, and when he goes down it late at night to put his trash in the trash chute, there's a ghost standing down there, and the ghost knows his name and says, "Hi, Bob. How are you tonight?" So I don't know if I believe that story, but but it is. Cute. <laughs> and then another time I was going through the parking lot and I saw another guy walking across and he was going into one of the ground floors uh, and I asked him if it was haunted. And he told me, So well, he says, I don't know if I believe in ghosts, but I did have an experience the first night I was here. And he told me that he had these two dogs and he was unpacking in his living room. He had the boxes and it was kind of messy and he got tired. And he and the dogs went in the bedroom to sleep, and then the dogs started barking a little while later. And he went back in the in the in the living room, and all the boxes were closed and in order against the wall. Ooh. And that kind of spooked him. He said he went back. To, he he did a little more unpacking a little while later. He heard the same thing. Went in there, and they were still stacked up against the wall. So the Sounds ghost like a was a
0: ghost with a little OCD, right? That's they wanted right. Everything just right, dress. Yeah. Well,
1: when you read about uh, about the Jeff Davis Hospital on the internet. They tell you that, and I think this is interesting. That when they built the building, they did not put a basement in it. They, in other words, they didn't want to excavate
0: the, the ground land, yes. for a room
1: for a basement. So it's a unique building in Houston. It's three stories tall, but the basement is the first floor. It's actually four stories tall. So the contractor knew not to dig a hole around there. So that's that is the so I no cons-
0: underground parking for that. Apartment no underground complex.
1: parking, and, and and behind it, it has a. Uh, uh, power station, a big tall chimney where the boiler was and everything, and it's ivy-colored, and that looks really spooky to me. And I have a friend that does uh, ghost tours, and she has one of those aura that she bought uh, on the internet. Yes. And she says when she hits a button when she's on that property, it starts singing like a Geiger counter where you're- Well, a-
0: there's a big Electrical source behind the building. They do say spirits <laughs> yeah. really tap into the energy of the electrical sources well, it, around it, it, them. So it is,
1: it is amazing. I can't believe the city did it. I mean, and it and it's it's a, it's almost a secret. Wow, you know that, that it's
0: kind of like the museum, right? Houston's yeah. best kept secret. So when you watch,
1: you'll see something on the news about it. It, it have I've, I'm as I go by there doing tours, I see the. The TV trucks out there doing the, oh, it's time to go to the Jeff Davis Hospital for the Halloween story.
0: Wow, that's interesting. So are there any other, like, spooky cemeteries well, here in Houston or any spooky buildings I, that I, I think, might be able to go I to? I think
1: the uh, ground zero for ghosts in Houston is Market Square.
0: Ooh, where's Market Mar- Square? Market
1: Square is just ringed with ghosts. Now, Market Square, to, to give a, a Houstonian that might not know it's Market Square— it's this little park, one square block park that's off of uh, Travis and, and uh, Milam. Uh, it has a, a Nico Nico's little place where you can eat, and it has a dog park. It's by all the new condos they're building down there. Everybody's walking their dog. And that was, that was Market Square. We had three city halls on that property in early Houston, and they all kept burning down. So Ooh. we had to work on our fire department. And it has a clock tower over on the corner, over by the hotel icon, and the clock in the clock tower is one of the clocks that was originally in the city hall that burned to the ground. Wow. So there's a there is a bar called La Carafe Bar. It's on the it's on the uh, north side, the Buffalo Bio side of the of the park. And when you go by it, it looks like New Orleans to me. It looks French Quarter because in the 1830s and 40s and 60s. If you lived in Houston, which was out in the in the middle of nowhere, if you wanted to go to town, you got on a boat and you went to uh, New Orleans. And so it's the same era of of the markets of the French Quarter. Yes, it's a real nice bar. It's it's been in continuous operation since the eighteen forties. Sam Houston supposedly had a couple of drinks in there. But it has a, a a ghost that hangs around on the second floor, uh, and it's a, right now, the, the lady that owns the bar claims the ghost is one of her old bartenders that died in the 1990s. So he's a recent ghost, and he's hanging around there all the time. He, he When the place gets kind of empty, uh, I've also heard that there's a lady ghost up on the second floor. but.
0: I, I I'm hearing a theme of the second floor with the yeah, ghosts that yeah. we've been talking about well, lately. Maybe I'm wondering.
1: Want to view everything from up there? Yeah, they're, maybe
0: maybe somebody who's listening can give us a little insight of the number two or why the second floor. I mean, I know why we don't have the thirteenth floor in hotels. Yeah, well,
1: I'm gonna off the second floor late at night in those places.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Sitting right next to the La Craft Bar is a is a corner lot. This is by uh, hearsay the hearsay Lounge, and there's an empty spot right there like there was a building and they tore it down. And that was the, uh, it was the Kennedy store back in the 18, during the Civil War. And uh, some people will tell you that the Kennedy store right next to the La Craft, uh, Bar, which at that time was called the Kennedy Bakery. It was, it was where he baked through. That was the headquarters of the Confederacy in Texas during the Civil War. And in that store, the, the building that's missing uh, he supposedly kept ordnance in there, like cannonballs and gunpowder and stuff like that. And when the war was over in 1865, and uh, the Federals were coming down to occupy Texas as an occupying force, Mr. Kennedy got nervous. He said, well, you know, I got all these cannonballs in my store and all this gunpowder. I think I better get rid of it so that, so that I don't get punished by the, the Federals. So he toted all the cannonballs he had in the store and all his gunpowder, and he went two blocks down uh, to the bio, uh, and he uh, dumped them in the bio, got up on the bridge and just threw them. This is off of the uh, Milam Street Bridge. And uh, the bio, uh, even though it is a river, the definition, dictionary definition of a, of a bio, it's a slow-moving stream that is only navigable at high tide. So he must have thrown the stuff in when it was high water because a couple of days later he went and looked and the water had receded because, you know, there wasn't a rainstorm and he could still see the stuff. So he got really upset about that. But the story goes that uh, uh, a uh, young boy, let's see what his name was, uh, Donaldson, Timothy Donaldson, Donald, I'm say it wrong, he and his friends went down and saw one of those cannonballs. And they, they, got, they waded into the Buffalo Bayou and got the cannonball and went back to their house, which is right over there next to the Kennedy store, and set the cannonball up on the table. And being young boys, they were fascinated by it. They started trying to take it apart, and it exploded and killed him and his two, two or three of his friends.
0: Oh, no. And so
1: his father was upset. You know, his son got blown up by a...
0: A cannonball. <laughs> a
1: cannonball. And they buried the boy... In the Donelan Crypt, which is down on Buffalo Bio, it's it's actually still there. Now, and is
0: the boy still buried there?
1: The boys are buried there. the The father's buried there from eighteen forty nine to nineteen oh three. There were three people buried in there. I think his mother was buried with him. And in nineteen oh three, when they were remodeling the the, the bio, uh, they took the bodies out and put them in Glenwood Cemetery. So wow. if, if you take a walking tour of the bio, which you know, you can walk from Shepherd Drive all the way out to Brown and Route, underneath all the bridges. Beautiful jogging trail. I mean, we really spent some money fixing it up. Uh, you can walk by that and see the old Donaldson Crypt. I don't Is know. Is there
0: like a sign that can help? Ha- no, that, you that just speaks you to it? just
1: have to know you're looking at it. Uh,
0: so it kind of looks like a doorway. Yeah, in, it, a, it looks. There's
1: a picture. So of I'm
0: it. actually looking at a picture that was taken off of the internet, and it just looks kind of it's like. It's just a, like a.
1: It's like a little room. It's like a pantry room. Can I go it,
0: inside of it?
1: Yeah, you can walk in it. Oh, if Oh wow! I see.
0: see. If I were walking past it, I always just think it was a. Uh, uh, a storage
1: area. A storage or, area or yeah.
0: maintenance entrance. Right. You see it uh, on the maintain. boat tour.
1: He he'll, he'll, wow. he'll, he'll talks about it. but that's where the young boy that blew. I don't guess there was a whole lot of him to bury, but they did find some well, of it to bury. So if
0: you really want to, to see what this looks like, just look up the historic burial vault that lies hidden in plain sight under downtown Houston Bridge. So utilize that actual uh, uh, sentence in your search bar, and you'll actually be able to see the photo of that. So now I, I, I'm intrigued, and I actually want to go. Mm-hmm. So is, is it haunted? Do, have they ever said that they've anybody ever come back and say that that little space is haunted because it once held uh, the remains. I'm sure.
1: I'm sure it is haunted. I, uh, a couple of my friends that do walking tours are claiming it's haunted. I'm sure it is, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's interesting to to see that. Uh, we have things like that at Houston. You know, you know, I
0: always find it interesting when people always say claim. They claim it's haunted. They 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 see it, but don't really speak of it. Uh, you know, yeah. y- your ghost hunting is always something of fascination. Every city we go to, we have ghost tours for Houston. We have ghost tours for. For Galveston, right. for Richmond, for all these cities, we, uh, we you know, there's ghosts everywhere. There's yes. ghosts amongst us. But having one documented to actually see it, and it's just interesting how we don't always validate that nor deny it. And you know, and I always get that question here at the museum: Is the museum haunted? And, and I throw back that same phrase time and time again. I don't validate nor deny. And I always say that. You know, it's in the eye of the beholder that comes right. here because some people might be more sensitive to spiritual activity than others. I can say from my own personal experience, we used to have a hearse here that gave me the ibby jibbies every time I walked near it, and uh, yeah. and 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 and, it, and there were things that happened around that. Uh, we had uh, one of our uh, fellow workers; we were working here late at night, and he was a volunteer and he was helping us, and we were. You know, he had low blood sugar uh, moments from time to time, and we hadn't seen him in a while, so we're running around the museum screaming his name and ask, you know, trying to find him, thinking he's hiding somewhere to, to jump out and spook us. And he had actually fallen asleep inside this hearse that gives me ibby jibbies in the front seat, of course, in the driver's seat. Uh, you know, it had that big bench seating in it so he could lie all the way across, and and he swore that he couldn't hear us hollering for him. Yeah. Uh, and so it, he just happened to wake up finally and realize that we've been looking for him. Uh, it was really, really bizarre that that he couldn't hear us because it's, it's you, a
1: presence, you know, right? Not actually something you can actually see. And what what I hear a lot of in the in the aura thing is when they take pictures, they usually see something in the thing. There, there's a, a bar called the uh, Dean's Downtown bar it's on Main Street and down near the same area Marcus Square and at one point in time it was a uh, a clothing store where in early Houston where you could buy things on credit And they Uh, still have the neon sign up front.
0: Buy things on credit, meaning that I didn't have to have a credit card physically present with me when I purchased it? No, they didn't have
1: credit cards. In other words, you could get something without paying for it. You could have an account there. Oh,
0: an account. And they're also famous for the
1: first store in Houston that let women have an account there, not just husbands. And it's now called Dean's Credit Clothing Store on Preston and Main. And uh, it is a uh, former speakeasy. Back during Prohibition, and the lady who runs the bar, she does tours. I mean, you can go over there and she'll she'll take you in the back, and there's a an elevator that you could get through in the back, and it's like a speakeasy. You had to have the password to get on the elevator, and uh, so it's uh, uh, they say the elevator is haunted. And when she takes, this is reported that when they take selfies in the in the elevator, there's a glass mirror behind the they see uh, a ghost in the mirror.
0: Oh, wow. And
1: uh, she has a drink there called the Berry, B-E-R-R-Y, Scary Cocktail.
0: Ooh, the Berry Scary Cocktail. <laughs> right. So if you want a special cocktail for the month of October, you can right. go down and get your Berry Scary Cocktail. That that sounds fun, yeah. actually. So do you know, is that a very popular drink?
1: Well, probably so, especially during the season, I guess. <laughs> uh, she, uh, she has an old ledger that she shows people how they kept track of the credit sales in a letter. And that she tells us that sometimes people say, well, there's my great-grandfather's signature right there. He shopped here. So wow. that's in the old part of downtown Houston.
0: Wow, so. the history of Houston is so fascinating. So out of all of these places that you and I have been talking about, any of them your favorite?
1: Well, I think the the, the cemetery in the at uh, Jeff Davis Hospital is my favorite. Yeah. Because— you know, and I, I'm using a vehicle. We're driving through. I've, it's a small tour. Maybe I have four people with me, or two, two or four people. And you just, you know, I, I drive back there by that that power station with that ivy and everything. And I say, uh, the reality is, we're 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 driving over people's graves. Yeah, it, you know, lived and yeah, you know
0: sometimes when you go through a cemetery, you you kind of watch where you walk out yes. of respect. So yeah. I wonder if people drive, watch we, where they it, drive out of respect when they go up to that space yeah. and and Appar- know that they're they're amongst a sacred space.
1: Yeah, apparently it was it was not unusual to do it because I've heard stories that they've done it in other parts of downtown. We have a place downtown uh, near uh, the hobby center called Heritage Park. In Heritage Park, we have, uh, uh, you know, some old Victorian homes. Like if Houston is getting ready to tear down a famous Houstonian's house and it's a, and it's a wooden house, they'll, they'll raise money and they'll pull it into that Heritage Park and restore it. And so if you're a Houstonian, you might remember the name Hinkies. That was a grocery chain. Well, it's Hinkies House and stuff like that. And I'm told that that whole Heritage Park is sitting over a cemetery.
0: Wow and then those are people's houses that maybe they had died in their home and so yeah, maybe the house itself right. is haunted. It's you know kind of- we talked about all these awesome cemeteries and now that I you know we're we're kind of Getting to the end of our amazing talk about the haunts of Houston, one of the cemeteries that we have kind of overlooked, which many Houstonians overlook, is Olivewood Cemetery. It was designated as an African American yes, cemetery, right.
1: and there's also another one farther down on uh, on Dallas, uh, almost to Shepherd. Uh, that that part of town was called Freedman's Town in 1865. When the, the the war was over, the slaves were freed, and we have a wonderful celebration in Houston or in Texas now in the country called Juneteenth. That's
0: and, right. And a lot yeah. of people
1: don't remember what that was or don't know about it. The story I hear it happened in Galveston, and when the Federals showed up in 1865 on June the 19th, 1865. They got off the boat to Occupy Texas for the next 20 years to make the Texans behave, get with the program. And General Granger got off the ship, off the boat, there in the Strand, and he walked about two blocks, and he saw a couple of black men that were stevedores, men that loaded cotton bales. And he walked up to them, and he said, what's it like being free for the first time in your life? And they looked at him and said, what are you talking about? Because they didn't know. Because there was no mass communication, there were no news, they weren't taught how to read and write. That was against the law. And so he got, Granger got so upset that he got a copy of the Emancipation Proclamation and read it for the first time on June the 19th, 1865. And that's when men in Texas knew they were free. That's why we have the, we've had it all my life in Texas, but now it's a national holiday. Okay, so that part of town was Freedmanstown, it's where the black community lived. And these cemeteries are in the black community. They've fallen into disrepair.
0: A lot of them have, and because they you know, these cemeteries weren't on a perpetual care right, you know, That's contract right. and they were always up to the the descendants of these of right. those who are buried there, right? To, to upkeep those cemeteries. And
1: the disadvantage of Freedmanstown, it was right in the way of the developer. The developer wants it. Between Montrose and downtown, you know, these high-rise. But there is a Freedman Town Association that's trying to preserve some of the old houses. Uh, And the story I heard, the juvenile probation department of Harris County. So, like, if you were juvenile and you got in trouble and you had to go see your probation officer, that office was down west Dallas, down past Wall, almost to shepherd that's where the government office was and across the street was it looked to me like a bunch of woods but that was one of the black cemeteries uh, very prominent black leaders were buried there and one of the probation officers would get mad at the at the kid that you know missed a missed a visit you know supposed to come last week and didn't come or wasn't sticking with the program and he would make him go across the street and do uh clean out that cemetery. And the that's cemetery how that cemetery up. got cleaned out. To this day, yeah. it's clean, but it was done by a mad probation officer and it probably worked for him. Yeah. You know, if, if I don't come to the meeting, he's going to make me go out in that cemetery and dig things up. So that's one of them in Olivewood. Uh, the uh, the Freedman Bureau, which is also located there, if you were a freed black slave and you were promised from your former master, you know, 40 acres and a mule, or whatever the rule was, and if he was mistreating you, in other words, not sticking to his bargain, you had to just go down to the Freedmen's Bureau office, and in there sat three or four union officers with nothing to do, and they went and talked to him, and got the problem solved, so that's, that's why Freedmen's and there's some beautiful, uh, there's a, a library out there, and uh, some beautiful preservation going on out there, but they're in the way of the developer. I feel sorry for the whole thing, yeah. but hopefully we'll we'll keep these th- these things going. Well, it-
0: you know, I mean, we we live in a fascinating city, um, and and I've learned so much more about this amazing city today. We're in this month of October where the the spirits are are amongst us more so than any other time of the year. So it seems. Uh, the museum is popular to be visited during the month of October in hopes that you might see a spirit running around. But, you know, the museum's got a lot of cool happenings in October. And we also got some fascinating books to help you on your ghost mm-hmm. hunts here in the city. We have the Ghost of Houston's Market Square Park book that you can pick up at the gift shop. Uh, We also have a Ghosts of Galveston book if you want to trot down to Galveston and know where all those haunted places are. And also, before you go on those fun ghost hunts, we have a Ghost Hunters journal so you can actually keep your own notes and perhaps some photos of any apparitions that you might capture while you're on your hunting But. Also in the month of October, the National Museum of Funeral History has some amazing events going on to keep you all engaged. We have a very fun Witches Brew Market on on Friday, October 13th, the the wonderful stigma attached to October 13th. We'll be having a a fun evening where we encourage you all to come dressed in your funnest witches attire uh, and then just enjoy the evening amongst the exhibits um, as well as see some very eclectic um, artists and uh, their work. And then on October 28th, we have our car show, our annual car show, where it's fun to bring out the family and the kids and do some trunk or treating, some safe Halloweening, uh, bring your kids in their funnest costumes for a costume contest. So we have lots to do and see here, not only in our city, but right here at the museum for the month of October. Richard, I have to say, you are a fascinating tour guide, and you're still doing tours today. Yes. As you notice, it's not a large group that Richard requires for you uh, to get together in order to have one of his tours. He'll actually do a tour as a one-on-one, correct?
1: Yes. No more than about four people, and it's a private tour. I don't mix groups.
0: Oh, perfect. Yes. So,
1: so if you want to go out with, let's say, a, a guest, you know, relatives in town, want to see something, and... Uh, very quickly, I can figure out what your interests are and make sure that's what I show you.
0: I'll so, answer. not only are you going to give me a tour of the city, but you're going to customize that tour to what yes. I would like to learn from you while I'm here visiting the All city. Right. Or I've been living here my entire life, and there's so much wow. I haven't learned um, that I might have missed in grade school because uh, I fell asleep during Texas history. So, <laughs> I, as an adult now, want to learn that in which I missed as a child. So. I can schedule a tour with you and and get that historical background, correct?
1: Yes, I uh, I have a little saying for my company. I treat you like a cousin, long-lost cousin from out of town.
0: Oh, and, and and that just speaks to the hospitality of Houston, yes. right? Yes. Oh, that yes. is amazing. So, Richard, again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. I'm, you know, I'm sure you've got some tours lined up, and you said, nope, I'm going to come here and I'm going to talk to Genevieve about the amazing haunts of Houston, all these cool, forgotten cemeteries, or some of those that have been buried by buildings, mm-hmm. um, things that I, I I never knew about. I'm not a Houstonian. Uh, but I've now lived here for over 18 years, and I, I I still learn some fascinating things about this amazing city. And also, if you are a Houstonian and you have not been to the National Museum of Funeral History, that is an awesome must-see. Or if you are visiting Houston and want to take an amazing personal private tour, please contact Richard Cook at Texana Tours at www.texana, That's T E X A N A tours t-o-u-r-s dot com thank you for joining me today on this podcast and i hope that you will share this episode and our future episodes with family and friends we look forward to any feedback you have to offer by giving us a review on apple or spotify and we hope that you will join us for a virtual tour at www.nmfh.org and always remember any day above ground is a good one